Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen. We're going to do announcements right before I preach. I want to bring Brother Tyler up here while there's a good worship atmosphere. Amen. Amen. I'm very thankful for our young ministers, the development. Amen. Each of them have been getting up here and preaching. And uh, great words that they've been sharing with the church. Amen. How many of you are thankful that God is increasing the church? That's not just... It's not just, there's a lot of different ways that a church grows. Amen. It's not just cars in the parking lot or people in the pews. It's also growth of ministry. And I'm very thankful for all of our young ministers. And uh, certainly this morning, Tyler and Jesse did a great job starting off the service. And I know Brother Tyler's going to do a great job tonight. And we're going to help him. Amen. Amen. How do you help him? Well, you say amen. You clap your hands. Amen. You don't sit there like you're staring like a, I think my friend Brother Huckabee would say like a, a cow staring at a new gate. Right? Kind of crazy look in their eyes like they're not sure what's going on. Is that the right saying? I don't know. Huck has a lot of those sayings that I'm not, I have to think about them for a while because I'm not sure what they mean. Anyway, don't look at the preacher like it's the first time you've seen him or heard from him. All right? So let's put our hands together. Brother Tyler, come and take your liberty. Share with us what God's given you. Praise the Lord, church. I'll tell you one thing. I am significantly more nervous now than I was this morning. <laughs> if, uh, if you could turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. Um, I gave it to the media team in the back. Uh, hopefully they can help me out. If you're there, say amen. All right. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there not once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel. Telleth the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. Somebody say it wasn't going to be a friendly meeting. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant, of, uh, the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? You may be seated. I want to take you forward in time, roughly 400 years from 2 Kings, 
to 480 BC. A massive army, estimated between 70 and 300,000 Persians, is rampaging their way towards Greece. King Leonidas, the king of Sparta, takes his bodyguard of only 300 soldiers with a contingent of 6,000 other Greek soldiers in an attempt to block the path of this invading army in a place called Thermopylae. The 300 Spartans and their Greek counterparts arrive before the Persian army and begin to construct defensive fortifications at what is known now as the Middle Gate. While the soldiers were building their defenses, the Persian army began to appear. A Persian emissary was dispatched to the Greeks and approached King Leonidas with a message from Xerxes, king of Persia. The emissary announced, if the Greeks would simply move out of the way, if you will go home, if you won't stop me, if you won't get in my way, then you will have your freedom. And you will have the title, Friends of the Persian People, as well as land that the Persians considered better than what they already had. King Leonidas refused his terms completely. The ambassador left only to return a few days later, now demanding the soldiers lay down their arms and retreat. Leonidas again refused. He told the Persian emissary, the only way we're laying down our arms is if you come get them. Sometime later, a final message was sent with a warning to King Leonidas that the Persian arrows would block out the sun. King Leonidas' response to this final threat was then we will fight in the shade. And that's what I want to preach for the next couple minutes is about fighting in the shade. So I don't know about you, but this repeated attempt to force the Spartans and Greeks back down sounds just a little familiar. Anybody else? Compromise just a little bit. Back off that hard line. Go along to get along and everything will be all right. Not really a big issue, is it? Does the Bible really say all of that? Does God, this is my favorite, does God really care about that? In our title text, the king of Syria was at war against the king of Israel. Whenever the king of Syria would communicate his plans to his generals about when and where they would lie in wait for the Israelite army, the prophet, the man of God, would send word to wherever the king of Israel was. And the prophet would detail all of the king of Syria's plans. In 2 Kings chapter 6, 11 and 12, the king of Syria begins accusing his servants that they were selling him out to the king of Israel and giving away all of his secret plans for the downfall of God's chosen people. The text says, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. If somebody was telling anybody... What I say in my private time, I would not be very happy. I can't blame the king of Syria for being a bit upset. But he gets so mad that he doesn't just send a few soldiers. He doesn't just send a squadron or a company or a regiment. 
to go get Elisha, he sends an army, an overwhelming force, to capture and bring back the man of God to him. I want you to picture with me, if you will, the servant of Elisha waking up that morning expecting it to be just another day. He's going to get up, he's going to do his chores, he's going to serve the man of God, and he's going to go back to bed, God willing. He's walking through the village, attempting to wake up fully when he hears a noise. He looks up, and on every hill surrounding the city that they're in, there's an army, ready and waiting to capture the man of God and take him away. The servant turns and looks at the man of God and says, My master, or as we might say it, Pastor, what are we going to do? There's an army that I can see. I don't know what's going to happen. They're threatening me. They're threatening my livelihood. They're threatening my job. They're threatening my family. They're threatening my very way of life. What will become of us? We're looking for the man of God to agree with us on how precarious our situation is. However, the man of God sees things from a far different point of view. Elisha did not agree with his, with his visuals. He didn't agree with what he was seeing. He didn't say, I see how bad it is out there. I see what's coming. I see what they can do. No. The man of God looks at his servant and said in 2 Kings 6, 16 through 17, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Fear not. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray that you would open his eyes. And that's what we need. It looks real ugly out there right now. And I know I'm not the only one seeing it. But I need God to open my eyes. Because what happened when the Lord opened his eyes? He looked to the very same hills where he saw death and destruction and he saw his salvation. The mountain was filled with horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. We couldn't see it. The servant couldn't see it. But the man of God had the perspective that we need to get a hold of. The battle that we're facing is not our own. It's not. All we have to do, we heard it this morning from Sister Valerie. We heard it from Brother Ball. We simply need to endure. When you've done all that you know to do, stand, stand, stand and watch God. We need to look the devil in the eye and give him a little Romans 14 and 8. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. When he rears back with that big old fist and another threat, we need to look at him again with a little 2 Timothy 1 and 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. At the end of Paul's life, he writes to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4 and 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. 
That is our task at hand. It does not matter what the world says. It does not matter what the devil says. The church does, will, and forever shall belong to Jesus. Nothing will come against it without his permission. Nothing will happen to it without his permission. We belong to him and to him alone. We cannot let the threat take our eyes off of the prize. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. But there is encouragement. 2 Chronicles 20 and 15. Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. It doesn't get any simpler. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. King Leonidas knew that at his back was the free world. It all hinged on him and what his men were able to do. He knew if he ran, the free world would fall. There would be no rescue from the hands of the Persians at this point. And church, if we surrender, the world will have lost its hope. It's hard enough to find it as it is. But if the church gives up, it's gone. We have got to stand firm. We have to learn to fight, no matter the circumstance. When the enemy comes and says, we will block out the sun, then you've got to stand up straight and look him in the eye and say, then we will fight in the shade. Say it with me, church. We will fight in the shade. Living Hope, you and I will have to learn how to fight in the shade. The world is a different place than it was five years ago. And it's going to be a much different place in five years from now. But we have to fight, not with hatred, not with anger, not with spite, not with our fists, not with our ideals, and not with our politics, but with the love of Jesus. It's the only weapon we have that will overcome everything that's happening. We will have to fight against the world that will hate us because of our faith, not because of who we are, but because of who we serve. We have to stand and watch God fight for us as we fight with his love. Amen. How many of you are thankful for that word? I mean, I think the Lord is speaking. Brother Tyler, I'm assuming you didn't go home after Brother Ball got done preaching and throw that together. You've been working on that for a while. And God's speaking because the same message. That servant was saying, all I can see is death. And the prophet prayed, God, help him to be blind to what he can see so that he can have vision. That's what the same thing the preacher said this morning. I think God is trying to tell his church, don't worry. I'm with you. But you got to look beyond what you can see. Don't respond. Don't react to what you can see. Our victory lies beyond what we can see. Amen? Amen. Somebody thank the Lord for that word. Amen. Let's join the worship team as they lead us.
Amen. How many of you are thankful to be in the presence of Jesus tonight? Come on, how many of you are thankful to be in his presence? About a year and a half ago, I wrote this song that we're getting ready to sing, and my mind was so heavily on heaven. And I think it's cool that we're singing this song, and this morning we, our theme was kind of on heaven and having that eternal mindset. And tonight I want to read Revelation 5, 13 through 14. Sister Valerie read it in her lesson this morning. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever and the four beasts said amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and tonight when we sing this song I want us to just imagine that moment when we're all standing around the feet of Jesus how amazing that moment is gonna be and I get so overwhelmed when I think about it because it's gonna be a moment of perfect peace where there's no worry there's no fear we can just sit at his feet and worship him for all eternity so tonight we're gonna practice that a little bit okay God we honor you come on lift your voices right now we honor you Jesus
sing it out right now all together. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that you are holy. Thank you, Lord, that you are perfect in all of your ways. Thank you, Lord, that you are beautiful for situation. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that your judgments are perfect. Thank you, Lord, that your statutes, O oh God, are pure, pure and perfect in all of their ways, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible tells us to worship him in the beauty of holiness. Amen. Our holiness is a striving to be like him. But his holiness is perfection. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here right now on a Sunday night. God, we thank you that you are here tonight, even as we are in your presence, Lord, that you're here to speak. God, that you're here, Lord, to administer. You're here right now, Lord. I believe the Spirit right now is administering gifts unto the body. Your Spirit, Lord, is measuring out gifts, God. Your Spirit, Lord, is right now, Lord, it is distributing gifts unto the body of Christ. It's distributing strength and healing. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, as we are in the holy presence of God, you know every need that is here. And we ask you, Lord, distribute in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, minister. We ask you, Lord, let your spirit right now minister in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wonder if you just receive what God is speaking right now. Amen. I know it's not the thunder of a Sunday morning service. Amen. It's not the, the, the loud uh, all of the noise that we might be used to, but it was when the prophet heard that still, small voice that that God was in the still, small voice. In the name of Jesus, the answer right now, what you've been looking for is just in the whisper of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord, would you help me right now? Just say we receive it, Lord. We receive strength. We receive joy. We receive peace. Hallelujah, God, we receive it in Jesus. I believe this. We pray, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 
Amen. In earth as it is in heaven. We think about heaven. But we want, we want heaven to come to earth, right? We're not, I, don't, I don't just want to wait till I get to heaven for peace. I believe we can have peace here. That's what we pray when we pray his kingdom come. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let heaven right now touch earth. Let there be peace. Drive out the, the anxiety and the worry, the fear. Drive it out, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And even as it's going to be when we get to heaven, let it be in earth. Let it be right now in your presence, God, where there is fullness of joy, where there is strength, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm going to ask the ushers to come. Thank you, praise team. Amen. We're going to ask the ushers to come. And uh, as they come, we're going to make a couple of announcements. First of all, um, corporate prayer tomorrow at 630. Amen. Just so you know, my expectation is not that you'll be at every Monday night. Amen. If you can, make them all. That's awesome. But I would hope that you can make it at least a couple times a month that you can make it out for a corporate prayer. We need to pray together. Amen. The church that prays together, amen, stays together. How many of you want to be a church that stays together? Amen. We're going to be caught up together to meet the Lord. We might as well stay together. Amen. Uh, let's go ahead and pray and we'll make the other announcements. Lord, we thank you tonight again for allowing us to come together and uh, for experiencing your presence even on a Sunday night. We ask right now, Lord, as we give to the work of your kingdom that you would bless it, multiply it, Lord, help many needs to be met, the gospel, Lord, to be proclaimed. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Ushers, you can go ahead. I want to remind everybody, Wednesday night is our final blitz for this semester. And uh, we'll be finishing up, uh, I think we'll be about halfway through the Revelation series. Is that right? And then uh, next semester we'll finish it up. They are Those do belong to the church, uh, the DVD set. And if you would uh, like to view it, I'm sure we can arrange that. Amen. For a, a small fee. I'm just kidding. We can arrange that. Uh, also... So I, I think it's kind of been a little bit, we're, we're working on some things, but um, there was su supposed to be a hyphen hangout this past Friday night. I didn't, anyway, it, it was my fault that it didn't get, that did not get announced. So we're postponing it for a Friday in November, which we're still working. No, that is right, October 15th. Okay, so October 15th, not this coming Friday, but the next one. All right. There we go. We just settled it all right here in front of you. 15. So how many of you are a part of Hyphen? How many of you don't know if you're a part of Hyphen? All right. If you're between the ages of 18 and 30, guess what? You are a part of Hyphen. All right. So let me ask you, how many of you are in Hyphen? Good. There we go. See, that revelation is just taking place already. I haven't opened up the word yet, and already revelation is coming. Amen. We have a great group of students who have just recently graduated from high school, and uh, we are endeavoring, working to um, make sure that there's ministry available to you all. And uh, there's some different transitions that are taking place. Uh, the first transition, I think we announced at All Hands, Brother Trey and Sister Michelle are going to become our system directors for our Christian development system. And we're, 
I'm very excited about that. We've already been meeting. We're going to be meeting again uh, tomorrow night after prayer and working on some things for rolling out in 2022. And a bit, Brother Trey and Sister Michelle are going to be a, a big part of that, uh, the planning side of it. And then they're going to have all the responsibility of it after that. That's why you bring people on and delegate, and they can stay awake at night worrying about how it's going to all work out. Uh, and then Brother James and Sister Naomi are going to be stepping in as the lead of our Haifa ministry. Amen. And I know they're excited. They're chomping at the bit ready. And so from here to the end of the year, they're going to be working with Brother Trey and Sister Michelle. Uh, there's a couple things that are already on the calendar. That October 15th is one of them. And one more after that. And then they're just going to hand the reins over to James and Naomi. And you know that horse is going to run. Amen. So if you're a part of the hyphen, you better pin your, pin your hair down. Amen. Because the show is about to fly. Brother James is going to take off. Uh, and then Brother Junior is uh, going to be taking the lead on our men's ministry. We're excited about that. Amen. And uh, he has already been working on some things. So we're looking for God's doing great things. And the best is yet to come. Right, Sister Tiana? Amen. Sister Tiana said so, so it is. Two or three agree. We agreed in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I think those are all of the announcements. I do want to kind of, uh, we talked about all hands the other night, and uh, I just want to reiterate some big things that are coming up in the future uh, that, that will help you in your planning. The week of Thanksgiving. I know traditionally we do a Tuesday night uh, service, Thanksgiving week, but we're not going to do anything the week of Thanksgiving. No practices, no meetings, no corporate prayer. Please don't interpret that as no prayer. I'll go home. Pastor said we're not going to pray that week. No, we're going to pray that week. I trust you. I believe that you are spiritually mature enough to pray without me telling you to pray. If you're not, we have problems. I'm not doing a very good job. So that week, I know people travel, and there's a lot of things that happen. And so we're going to free you up from the burden of having to plan around different things. So that week, we'll have Sunday morning service, Sunday night service. And then the next thing we'll have will be Sunday morning. We'll have church again. All right? Everybody good on that? Or, or clear, I should say. Whether you're good or not uh, is another conversation, but whether you're clear is my main point right now. Christmas, all right? Going to go ahead and talk about Christmas and New Year's. Uh, we're not going to have a Wednesday night service the week of Christmas. We are going to have a Christmas Eve service, which I believe is Friday night, the 24th. We're going to have a Christmas Eve service. I think we said 5 o'clock. Uh, we'll come together, and we're going to, we've kind of the last couple of years done it. I think I like it. Uh, feel like it's a good thing. Uh, we're going to have a kind of a candlelight service and sing some Christmas carols and then preach hellfire and brimstone or, or the birth of Jesus, probably, probably lean toward the birth of Jesus. And then the next week, which is New Year's week, again, we're not going to have a Wednesday night service, but we are going to do a watch night service. Now, some of you have been kind of tugging at me to try this. You better be here. All right, because if I'm staying up till midnight and you're not here, I'm going to be madder than a hornet. All right. And I don't get madder than a hornet very often. But around 10 o'clock at night, Pastor Staten turns into a pumpkin. Cinderella was midnight. I'm 10 o'clock. And so we're going to be going on faith that night, all right? We're going to have coffee in the foyer. Amen. Go out there and get all fired up and ready for Jesus. And uh, we're going to be in here when 2021 ends and in here when 2022 begins. Amen. So, amen. Invite somebody, all right? Invite somebody. I know there are people that still some of those traditions 
They enjoy those. So it might be an opportunity to invite somebody to get them to come out for our watch night service and our Christmas Eve service, all right? So those are the main things I wanted to make sure that we're talking about because I know that uh, you're probably trying to schedule some things for those times, so I want to make sure that we're clear on that. All right, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Amen, Revelation, chapter 1. And my wife told me the day, uh, the other day, she said, I'm, preach- I'm going to be teaching on heaven, so you need to preach on uh, anyway. But she went ahead and covered that. She went ahead and got it in there this morning, so it freed me up today, tonight, to preach on whatever I want. Amen. Y'all got a, you got a tough crowd on Sunday night. No sense of humor. Amen. Laugh. Chuckle a little bit. Merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It's okay to laugh. Say, well, tell something funny, and I will. I thought it was myself. I thought it was. I know my sense of humor ain't for everybody, but you can at least humor me and act like it was funny. Thank you, Brother Sylvia. Thank you. All right, now you get a little carried away. Rome, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 12, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Can you imagine? I just want you to try to get a picture of what John is seeing right now. This one stepping out of the seven candlesticks, which we know are a type of the church. Amen. Like as a son of the Son of Man, that's speaking of God. Clothed with a garment down to the foot, it's a, a girdle of gold. His head and Hair is white as wool, and his eyes are like a flame of fire. His feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. So can you imagine brass that's burning in a furnace? It's kind of flickering, and there I don't know, real cool paint job, but it's looking, I mean, just, you ever seen those cars that as you drive by them, they change, the, the shades turn? I think that's what John is seeing. It's like brass that is in the fire, and, and you can see the, 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 the heat and the effect it's having on that brass. And his voice is as the sound of many waters. It's echoing and echoing and going on and powerful. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. I think I would have done the same thing. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. Yeah, right. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Amen. The Lord bless you. Would you turn and shake hands with four or five people around you? Amen. Amen. Tell somebody they look nice tonight. All right. Tell somebody else they look really nice tonight. Tell your spouse they look better than anything, anybody else. Amen. It is good to see Brother Yao and Sister Latasha family here tonight. So glad to see them. Maggie Marie, we love you. Amen. Always good to see you. 
our friends, we love them. I know they're busy. They run a business, and I'm sure with everything going on, they're staying busy, but it's always a treat to see them. So make sure you greet them tonight before you leave. Amen. I want to talk to us for a little bit tonight. Preach to us. Teach. I don't know how it's going to come out. I just know what God has kind of laid on my heart. Uh, I don't even know how long it will go. Normally, I say I just want to talk for a few minutes. I don't know. It might be a few hours tonight. Um, a few nervous laughs there. But I want to... I want to uh, communicate to us, however it comes out tonight, on the benefits of proper posture. Or I think the more that I kind of thought about it, the power of proper posture. Posture is defined as the position in which somebody holds their body when standing or sitting. How many of you have ever been told you have good posture? Have you ever been told you don't have good posture, you have poor posture? Wow. We all have a lot of encouragers in our lives. Uh, <clears throat> I've been going through physical therapy for my shoulder. I've been having, uh, the doctor told me that there's some arthritis in my shoulder, and so he told me that uh, eventually we'll probably have to get a replacement done. But he said, for now, if I'll go see a physical therapist, that they can likely help me out. And so I've been going to see them. And uh, as a matter of fact, they, the, the physical therapist told me that they're pretty confident that after a little bit of work with them, uh, $50 a time I walk in there, I'm sure they're, gonna, uh, they're not going to say, you know, there's nothing they can do. But they, anyway, they told me if I'll keep on coming back two times a week at $50 a pop, they can help me out. That's just my part of it, let alone what insurance is paying. So anyway, that's another sermon. Um, but she, she went on to tell me that if that... 99% of the problem is my posture. And immediately I kind of, you know, overcorrected. I'm like, what are you talking about? But uh, she told me that the problem was my posture, and she took out, it's always creepy to me, where they pull out the little skeleton. And she pulled out the skeleton of this shoulder that's there, and the, uh, she began to kind of flex it, and she showed that when the shoulders are leaning forward, it, that, that the muscles and the tendons that are, there toward the front of the shoulder, they get pinched between the shoulder and the, the collarbone and, and creates all kinds of friction. And let alone, when you have uh, you know, a little bit of arthritis that's in there, it makes it even worse. And so she said that we're going to have to start strengthening the back muscles and stretching it out, and that's going to put less strain on it. But she was telling me that, if, that there, are, there are benefits to a proper posture. And so I was kind of looking into that a little bit more and According to WebMD.com, and because it's on the internet, I have full confidence in it. That these are some of the benefits of good posture. That you have, you're in a better mood and energy. All right. Maybe you know somebody that needs to pro get better posture, better mood, and more. Can you imagine that just by squaring your shoulders a little bit and sitting up a little bit better? That you have better energy or better mood, rather, and more energy. It all, they also tell us that you have better bone, joint, and muscle health. These are the benefits of a proper posture. They tell us, that as, in addition to that, that you actually have better breathing and fewer headaches. Those are benefits of proper posture. And lastly, that <clears throat> there is improved spine and neck health. Again, all of these are the blessings or the benefits of proper posture. And I want to look in the scripture at this man, John, that we find many times in the New Testament. 
And I want to look at various postures of John. And, and I want to kind of talk about the progressive posture of this man named John. He is called many things throughout the scripture. He is called the disciple that Jesus loved. Also, he is referred to as John the Beloved. He is John the Apostle, John the Disciple. He is one of the 12 apostles, and he would later be sequestered to the Isle of Patmos. And so he is known as John the Beloved. He is John, who also, along with his brother James, are called by Jesus the Sons of Thunder. So he is John the Beloved. He is John the Apostle, John the Disciple, John the Son of Thunder, and he is also John the Revelator. I want to look as under these different titles of John, both in the Gospels and in the book of Revelation, there are progressive postures of John, the, the disciple, the beloved, the son of thunder, and the revelator. And I believe that in looking at these different postures, we can find the blessing of a progressive posture within the church, and maybe even more pointedly, within our own lives. And as we take on these postures that we see that John the beloved, John the revelator, that he portrays in his own life, that if we will begin to exemplify them in our lives, there is blessing that will, how many of you want blessing from the Lord? How many of you want power in your relationship with God? Well, then follow with me as we journey through this progressive posture of John. First, if we could look at the, the gospel according to John, in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 21. If you turn your Bibles there with me. John chapter 13, beginning at verse number 21. And when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, the disciple who Jesus loved. This is John. John is the beloved. He is, when you see in the Gospels where it speaks of the disciple whom Jesus loved, it's talking about John. John the revelator. John the son of thunder. John the beloved. And so the first posture that we find of John is where they're in this atmosphere. It's the Last Supper as we call it. The, the, the very famous painting that has been rendered of this dinner that is taking place right before Jesus would be sold for 30 pieces of silver and would be then held before Pilate and, and there the, in the courtroom setting he would be found guilty and sentenced to death. And of course we know after that they would take him and his body would be beaten so much Isaiah the prophet would foretell and say that Jesus would be beaten so miserably and so badly that his visage would be so marred that you couldn't even identify him as a human being. And so it is that as they're in this last supper before all of that will begin to unfold, we know there are many things that take place in this setting. We know that it's there that Jesus begins to offer to wash the feet of the disciples. And Simon Peter says, there's no way you're washing my feet. And, of course, Jesus comes back and, and, and rebukes Simon. And, and Simon says, well, then you know what? It, wash, wash all of our feet. I think it's kind of how it renders, how it plays out. So there's the foot washing. There's Jesus with a towel and a basin. Jesus as the Savior of the world, but also as a servant unto mankind. And, of course, we know also in the room, in the same room where John the Beloved is there, 
we find that Judas, who would betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, uh, amen, the Bible tells us as they sit there, Jesus says, the one who dips the sop with me. I've always wondered what dipping sop means and just a little bit, I don't know, this isn't really a preaching point, but it helps me to kind of... Uh, visualize what's going on so they're eating the Passover supper and they're getting ready to partake of the lamb that was the the type the antitype of Jesus Christ they're getting ready to eat the lamb the lamb is about to eat the lamb if you would the the old testament type that would take away the sin that lamb as they're about to partake of it amen and, and Jesus says the one who will dip the sop and what they would do is take like a, a piece of unleavened bread like uh, flat bread we kind of a tortilla of sorts and I don't know, they probably didn't call it a tortilla. I don't know if tortillas were around in, in, in Jerusalem. But anyway, they would take that flat bread and they would use that, that bread and they would use that to pick up the meat. I don't, I don't know, maybe they didn't have silverware like we had it, but they would reach in and they would grab and, and, and the invitation to, to, to uh, they, they, they would, the one would take the meat and the one that he gave it to, it was a, a symbol of favor. It was a symbol of great love. And, and as Jesus took the sop and he gave it to Judas, he said, the one that I give the sop to is the one that is going to betray me. And the Bible says in that setting, in the setting where the, the Old Testament lamb and the New Testament sacrifice were in the same room together, it was in that very room that the Bible says Satan came into Judas. Because it's not about where you're at. You can be in the right place, but if you're in the wrong posture. Amen. You can be in the presence of God, but if you're in the wrong posture. Amen. I preach to a lot of people, and I can tell by your body language whether you're listening to me or not. I've been preaching long enough to know that you're not really listening to what I'm saying. If, you're, if you look like you're in a recliner, amen, same, I, I could be preaching the same message. The same revelation can be coming across the pulpit and one person is getting deliverance and freedom and, and truth is being poured into their life and right next to them, the person in the recliner is getting nothing out of it. Amen. They're both in the presence of the, the, the Passover lamb. They're both in the presence of the Messiah. Amen. But the Bible says that as they dip the sop, uh, that, 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 that Satan comes into Judas because his posture was wrong. I don't ever want to be in the presence of God and not be leaning into it. I don't ever want to be in the presence of God and kick back in my recliner. I want to challenge you, church. That, that, that doesn't just apply when the preacher gets the microphone. That, that's in pre-service prayer. I don't ever want to be reclining when the presence of God, because if you don't take advantage of the presence of God, Satan can get a foothold. Amen. If you don't take advantage of the... I don't ever want to be lounging when there's a worship, when there's an atmosphere of worship in the building. Well, pastor, I'm just a little bit tired. It's amazing how tired people get when they come to church. But they can get enthused when they get pretty much anywhere else. I don't ever want to be in the, you see, the wrong posture can open you up to the wrong spirit. Amen. They're in the same place. They're in the presence of the same almighty God. But Judas, Satan comes into Judas. But John, the beloved, the Bible says he was leaning on Jesus' bosom. Amen. As Judas is reclining, 
John is leaning in. As Judas is laid back chilling, John is leaning in. He said, I want to get as close to Jesus as I can get. I want to get as close to Jesus as I can get. Amen. And as he's leaning into the bosom of Jesus, he's identified as the one that Jesus loved. I want to tell you, your posture has everything to do with your relationship with God. Amen. Your posture in the things of God has everything to do with your relationship with God. If you're leaning out if you're looking for the easy way out don't wonder why you're not beloved of God don't wonder why you're not under the favor of God I don't know about you but I want to be leaning in I want my posture to be leaning in I want to get as close to Jesus as I can get correct posture in the kingdom of God doesn't begin with you throwing your shoulders back. It doesn't start with you sucking your belly button in. Amen. Correct posture in the kingdom of God begins with loving Jesus. It begins with getting as close to Jesus as you can get. Amen. I can't get enough of him. I want to get as close to him as I can get. While others in the room are clamoring over who's going to be the first and who's going to be the second, John is just saying, I don't care about position. I just want to get as close to Jesus as I can get. Ain't nobody can keep you from Jesus if you really want to get there. Nothing can get between you and Jesus if you really want to get there. A correct posture in the kingdom of God begins with loving Jesus. Correct posture begins with a desire and a longing to be close to Jesus. It all starts with that. Turn with me now, if you would, to the book of John, chapter 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he saith unto to his mother, Woman, behold thy son. So here we are now at the foot of the cross. All the other disciples have dispersed. There's only one disciple identified at the foot of the cross, and it's that same beloved disciple. It's John the Beloved. It's the one that at the Last Supper was leaning on the breast of Jesus. He was leaning into the bosom of Jesus. Amen. While Judas was reclining, John was leaning in. While while Satan was entering into Judas, John was being called the disciple that Jesus loved. And it's no coincidence that now at the cross when everybody else scatters, there's one that is still standing. Can I tell you that a leaning in posture will produce a standing posture. That when everybody else is running, that when everybody else is scattering... We're in a time where we need Christians that will stand for the name of Jesus. As it gets less and less popular to be a follower of Jesus, 
20 years ago, it was the end thing to have a little fish on your bumper. Uh, 20 years ago, it was the end thing to have a bumper sticker that identified you as a Christian. It's getting less and less popular. Uh, and I think as the days go by, it's going to get even less popular. Uh, it might even cost you something. Uh, it may even cost you a few nights in jail. Uh, it's possible it could cost you persecution. Uh, amen. But if you lean into Jesus, uh, when the time comes, uh, I want to let you know you'll still be standing. When others are scattering, I want to be standing. All of the other disciples, Bartholomew, Andrew, Matthew, Luke, they're all gone. Nobody, I don't know where they went, they're just gone. I don't know where they ran to, but they ran like roaches. When the light come on, they're nowhere to be found. But there's one disciple that is still, his posture now is standing. He's got his shoulders squared. He's standing, he knows what it's going to cost him. He knows it could cost him persecution. But he said, you know what? My leaning in produced something in me because I was getting close to Jesus when nobody else wanted to. Now I'm going to stand with Jesus. There's a connection between what happens at supper and what happens at the cross. Amen. If you're right now while everything is still easy, if you can't lean in tonight, you won't stand when persecution comes. I know, I, I, I really do, E-Family, I love you. But if you ain't got the message yet, it's time to come back to church. Amen, if you haven't got I've, we try to beat around the bush. But you need to get back in the house of God. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm, I'm really not trying to be. My job as a pastor, number one, is to help you make it to heaven. And I'm just afraid you're not going to make it if you don't get back in the body of Christ. And I think what's happened, if we're not careful, we can begin lounging. And we can get so comfortable and complacent in the climate that has been established in the last year and a half that we don't go to church like we used to go to church. And we don't get involved like we used to get involved. Amen. But I'm going to tell you there's a relationship between what happens at supper and what happens at the foot of the cross. And you better get to leaning in. You better get as close to Jesus as you can get. You better get closer than you've ever been before. Oh, there's a lot of talk. Oh, I'll die for Jesus. If you, if you won't get close to him at supper, you won't die for him. Simon was all talk at supper. He said, the, the very words Simon said, I will lay down my life for your sake. Oh, thy, he said, thy sake. Sorry, that's King James. Word for word, I will lay down my life for thy sake. Peter, you're not leaning in. You don't understand. You're, you're caught up. You're caught up in all of the other things. You're not getting close to me, Simon. Let me tell you what's going to happen. A rooster is going to crow. And when, before that rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Can I tell you, while John is standing there at the foot of the cross, while John is standing with his shoulders across the courtyard, Simon, who said, I'll die for your sake, is over there denying he even knows Jesus. You're getting close to Jesus is what will determine whether you stand with Jesus. I'm, just, I'm pastor here. 
Brother Ball held back a little bit this morning because he's not your pastor, but I am your pastor. If you can be kept out of church over a football game, ain't no way you're going to stand at the foot of the cross. If you can be kept out of church for a softball game, ain't no way you're going to be standing at the foot of the cross. You can get mad at me if you want to, but what you do at supper tells a lot about what you'll do at the foot of the cross. You think a pandemic is scary. Wait until they say, if they find out you're a worshiper of Jesus, they're going to execute you. Listen, there's a good chance if you get COVID, you'll make it. But there's a better chance if they start persecuting you, that you will lay down your life. And if you can't make it to church over a pandemic, you will not stand in persecution. The fact is, if you don't love him, you'll leave him. If you're not willing to live for him, how can you be confident that you will die for him? Well, I think churches once a week is good enough, and you're going to die for that, God? Well, I think Sunday morning is really all I need, really, and you're going to die for him? Our posture. Standing for Jesus. In an hour where so many are, are just giving in, where so many are giving up. Amen. We've got, to, we've got to square our shoulders. Let us not forget. Jesus didn't hide any punches when they asked him, what do we have to do to follow you? He didn't start off by saying, well, the first thing is, is you know, it's going to be a pyramid scheme in network. And, you know, you're, you're going to get rich. Here's a $10,000 check I made last month. You know, and if you follow me, this is what anybody ever... Right? They all got those checks. I, I think they're all fake. Anyway, I don't know. I joined three or four of those. I never got a check that looked like that. But that's not what Jesus did. He didn't pull out some $10,000 check. He said, here's what it's going to take. If you're going to have to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. If you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you everything. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to be willing to lay down your life. If you're going to follow me, I'm going to tell you where this walk starts. It starts at the foot of the cross. And so we're going to have to square our shoulders and determine I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand if everybody else leaves. I'm going to stand if everybody else bows. I'm going to stand if everybody else walks away come on square your shoulders tonight square your shoulders a little bit overdo it come on come on we're going to stand I believe it I believe if we'll if we'll first of all if we'll lean into Jesus come on it can't just be on Sunday that's not leaning in that's faking the funk I, I think that came that was from my 90's lingo that's that's putting on an air. That's, that's putting on a show so that everybody thinks I'm close to Jesus. But that ain't going to keep you. That's not going to keep you when you're at the foot of the cross. It's going to be because I'm the beloved disciple. Because I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ. Because every chance I get, I'm leaning into him. I want to get as close. Listen, if you'll get as close to him, don't let anything in this world get between you and Jesus. I promise you, when it comes to the foot of the cross, you will stand. When everybody else bows, you will stand. Turn with me to John chapter 20. I'm almost finished. I'm closer now than I was 
when I started. John chapter 20, verse 4. I'll back up one verse 3. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb, so they both ran together. Well, let me, let's, let's go to verse 2. All right, they came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. Who was the other disciple whom Jesus loved? John the Beloved. They come to Simon Peter and John the Beloved, and they say, the Lord's not in the tomb. We don't know where they've taken him. So Peter and John the Beloved take off running toward the tomb. Verse 4, so they, Simon Peter and the disciple that Jesus loved, they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. Here's the progression, the progression of that posture. Here it is, and he's stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by himself. Then went in also John the Beloved which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed. Amen. This is the third in the progression of the posture. The posture of John the Beloved is that he stooped down. Amen. That he stoops down and he looks in. Can I tell you, the Bible, Simon Peter went into and he saw the napkin. And I, and I think there's some things inferred there. But the Bible tells us without a doubt that the Beloved, after he stooped down and looked in, he was the first one to believe. Amen. He humbled himself. He put himself in a posture of humility. And he looked in. And when he saw the napkin and the the sepulcher he said I believe I was there at the foot of the cross I was leaning into Jesus at supper and now I'm stooping down and I'm humbling myself and I believe I put my faith in Jesus he stooped Amen. stooping down a posture of humility he stooped down to look into what he could not understand he stooped down to look into and gain understanding of what logic and reasoning said could never be. He stooped down and he humbled himself that he might believe. Did you know that faith takes humility? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Can I tell you that the arrogant and the fool ride the same train together? Amen. That they're headed in the same direction. Because the fool, can't, but they, they can't depend upon anything else. They've got to try to work it out themselves. The fool can't humble themselves to believe that they need to put their trust in somebody else. The fool can't put a tithe in the offering plate because there's no way that I can trust that God is going to help me. Amen. I don't know how I'm going to make it if I, if I trust God to be my provider. But it takes humility to put your faith in God. It takes a posture of stooping down to put the tithe in the offering plate when you don't know how you're going to make ends meet. Amen. It takes humility to worship after the doctor gave you a negative report it takes humility to walk into the house of God and raise your hands when it feels like your world is falling apart 
I feel the posture. I feel the progression of the posture today in this place. I want to stoop down and trust you, Lord, that what you said is true. Somebody here tonight, God is trying to move you into a level of faith. Amen. But you got to humble yourself before the Lord. You got to humble yourself. Some of you are struggling in your finances because you don't trust that God is your provider. You don't see any way that you could possibly give God first fruits. I didn't say 10% after your bills are paid. That's not a tithe. A true tithe is first fruits. It's the first 10%. I put that in the offering plate before I pay any other bill. If you do it any other way, it's not really trusting. It takes humility to have faith in God. And before John ever believed that he was resurrected, first he had to stoop down. What, what area of your life are you struggling in that... You're still standing up and God is saying it's time to stoop down. It's time to humble yourself and trust that I am your deliverer. It's time to trust. Come on, you're, you're trying to figure it out all on your own. If I can just trace it back in my childhood where that, where that hurt came from. If I can just figure it out, if I can go back and find the person who's responsible for this pain in my life, and, and if they'll apologize, then all, you're trying to figure it out on your own. Amen. You need some humility. You need to bend over, stoop down, look in and see what doesn't make sense in your mind and logic and have a revelation and get faith that God is working on my side. Come on, anybody in the house? Have you, have you ever... Has it, has it ever happened that when you humbled yourself in the sight of the Lord, that he began to exalt you? That when you humbled yourself in the sight of the Lord, he began to lift you up? Yes. Hallelujah. True faith takes an incredible amount of humility to have faith in God as my healer. And I just... Pastor, that's not it. I just need to find the best doctor. If I find the best doctor in that field, and I'm, I'm not saying go find the worst, right? But the kid that just came out, you know, he's, I think this is a good idea. And last month I tried to fly an airplane as a hobby. This month I'll try to replace somebody's appendix. Take it out. No, not that guy. I want somebody that at least knows their way around, but my trust isn't in doctor so and so. Amen. My trust is that he is my healer. Amen. My trust is that he is my comfort. My trust is that he is my God. Amen. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Finally, we come to the book of Revelation. Chapter 1. Same John. Same John that leaned in. The Passover, same supper where Satan entered into Judas. Same John that stood on the foot, at the foot of the cross. Peter was across the courtyard denying he ever knew him. Same John. Same John who knew Jesus as a teacher, a rabbi, was there when he turned water into wine. The same John that stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. Now in Revelation chapter 1, John's identity is about to be changed. He's not just John the Beloved. He's not going to be from here forth just John the Disciple, John the Apostle, John the Son of Thunder. Now he's going to become John the Revelator. 
the single person that God trusts in time revelation to. How many of you want revelation? How many of you would like to know what is going to happen in our world in the next couple of years? How about the next couple of weeks? The next couple of days even, I would suffice with right now. God positions this same John as the man that he is going to give revelation to. And so we come to the book of Revelation. The beloved, the son of thunder, the apostle becomes the revelator. The one to whom the Almighty will reveal the great mysteries of the end of time. And I would say that you don't ever get to this place. So I, you know, it, it all starts with your posture leaning in. You don't get to a place where God trusts you with revelation. I, I don't trust people, people's dreams who don't really have a walk with God. People are like, yeah, I had this great dream, Pastor. Well, I want to know, are you walking with God? Before I want to know what your dream is, are you walking with God? Are you leaning in? Do you have a relationship with him? If you are, then we'll have a conversation. But here's what I know. God is not going to trust somebody with revelation who's not leaning in at supper. He's not going to give revelation to somebody who's not trying to get as close. You see, revelation isn't so you can look smart. All right? God doesn't give you revelation so you can look like you're smart and you know it all. God gives you revelation because he's trying to funnel that through you so there can be salvation for others. Amen. But before God can know that he can trust you with revelation. You don't get to the posture of revelation without first leaning. And you don't get there without standing. Weak-kneed Christians that only on Sunday morning are willing to identify themselves with Jesus Christ. Hey, what'd you do yesterday? Well, you know, what, what, what was that? Well, I went to, come again? I, I, I can't understand what you're saying. Why? I went to church. Okay. That, God's not giving revelation to that person. All right, first of all, we've got to lean in. Secondly, we've got to be willing to stand when nobody else does. If you don't stand, I'm going to stand. If you, if, if, if you head for the hills, if you deny him, I've already made up in my mind, I'm going to stand. Amen. And, and he's going to reveal himself to those that are humble, uh, that are stooping down and looking in, uh, that are trusting the Lord in every area of their life, uh, that I'm trusting him with my health. Uh, I'm trusting him in my finances. Uh, I'm trusting him in my family. I'm trusting him on my job. I'm trusting him in my marriage. And those that are leaning in, that are standing up, and that are stooping down to those, he says, I will give you revelation. I will reveal things that nobody else knows. Don't worry, you're not going to be taken by surprise. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to give you open doors that no man can shut. Now the miracles are gone. The crowds are gone. Now it's just John and a voice. The voice of one that is in the midst of the seven candles. I just wonder what that voice sounded like. Can you imagine? Just imagine the most deep move of God on a Sunday morning. When you just get those chill bumps. Wow, that feels, that's the presence of God. I'm so thankful to come to a church where we know what it's like to feel the presence of God. 
I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Don't take that for granted. Please don't take that for granted. Please, please don't ever get so comfortable when God's presence is here that you're a Judas that's lounging when God is in the room. Every time the presence of God, no matter what condition your life might be, and I urge you when you feel the presence of God, lean in and get as close to God as you can get. It's John and the voice of one that's in the midst of the seven candlesticks. The ancient of days, whose hair is white as wool and white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire, his feet like brass that are burning in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And in his right hand he holds the seven stars, and out of his mouth is a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in strength. Anybody ever try to look right into the sun? Probably why I can't see you all right now, because I did that one too many times. I had friends in school that would tell me, yeah, your eyes get better if you can look at the sun. Are you sure? Yeah, just keep doing it. Are you really sure? Five more seconds, Jason. I'm sure they have my best at heart. His countenance was as the sun couldn't even look at him. And when I saw him, this is the posture of the end time church. This is the posture that God is bringing his end time church to. I believe that we've been there as a church and we've leaned in when the presence of God has been in the room. And I believe this church has stood. When others have run and others have bowed, this church has stood. And I've been in services where we've stooped down and we've humbled ourselves in the presence of God. But the church that's going to make it in the end time, the church that's going to last in the end time is a church that takes on a posture of worship. That when I see him, I fell down at his feet as dead. Posture of the end time church is going to be a posture of worship where when the presence of God moves in the room, we forget about everything else. We forget about position. We forget about title. I don't care who's preaching. I don't care who's on the piano. I don't care who's leading worship. This is my posture. I am a worshiper. I'm here for one reason, and that is to worship Him. Stand with me if you would. The posture at the end time, John the Beloved leaning in. Son of Thunder standing with shoulders squared. John the Apostle stooping down. But the end time John, John the Revelator, posture of worship. He fell down at his feet as if dead. I'm going to tell you what's going to get the church through this end time is our worship. It's all got to be built. You, you can't just skip to worship. You got to lean in. You got to stand and you got to stoop down. But at the end of that, after that progress, after that progression, 
The church in this end time is going to have to worship God like we never have before. Worship is not just clapping your hands. Worship is not just singing a song. Worship is not just playing an instrument. Worship is saying, God, no matter what comes my way, no matter what I go through, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to lift you up. If you're going to make it in this end time, if you're going to be there when the trumpet sounds, you're going to have to get on the posture of a worshiper. I want us to lift our hands toward heaven. Come on, music team. Even now, I feel the presence of God. I want to lean in. I just want to lean in for a few more minutes. Don't worry, I'm not going to keep you here all night. But I don't want to be that Judas that's getting as close to the Judas left while they were still at dinner. Judas ran out the door while everybody else was still sitting. Judas had, he had a busy, he had a busy life he had to get to. And while everybody else is still in the presence of Jesus, Judas is out with the priest counting silver. I don't want to be the one that's, that's heading for the door while God is still moving. But I want to be John the beloved that's leaning in. Jesus, let me get as close to you as I can. Jesus, let me get as close to you as I can. God, if I'm going to make it in this last day, I've got to get as close to you as I can. If I'm going to stand at the foot of the cross, I've got to get as close to you as I can. I wonder if you'd come and join me around this altar for just a few minutes before we leave this place. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.